Lucy Smith, thank you. That's Lucy Smith, the very one who will be at the uh, Live from the Heartland Benefit on February 11th at the Heartland Bar, mm-hmm. formerly known as the Red Line Tap. Um, we're really honored now to have a couple of uh, people who are working hard out there to bring justice on a lot of fronts. We've got uh, Robin Potter and Nieves Bolaños, and they are progressive lawyers who do a lot of work with the uh, Chicago Teachers Union. And uh, they have a lot of stuff that they want to talk about. In fact, uh, Robin brought uh, technical term, folks. Biggest, lots of stuff. Yeah, we got every case she's working on here. It's like this is your new office. Good morning to you both. Good morning, and Good thank morning. you all for having us. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Really, what is the deal? You brought a flipping library with you, Robin. <laughs> is it because? We're all getting old and we need our notes. Is that the deal? <laughs> Could be. I mean, I've done <laughs> Brandon Johnson's show. We've done a lot of speaking. And so we just always want to have the facts if we can. But you never know what will come up. And so we just want to be prepared. Although we probably could talk for about four hours without notes. I bet. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. So many people have been reading about or hearing about um, the crisis in special education with the Chicago Public Schools. And it has a lot to do with uh, the public face, which is now gone, uh, claiming one thing and the actual parents trying to receive special ed services experiencing something else. As a parent, in the, as a grandparent in that situation, I've yeah. been particularly intrigued with the WBEZ series and, of course, the work lawyers like you have been doing behind the scenes to try to get the public schools to do what's right. So fill our listeners in about the current status of alleged reforms and how special ed under the new leadership is going to be carried out. I can't say exactly what the new leadership might do, but what Nieves and I are a litigation counsel for the Chicago Teachers Union, and through the course of that, 
attending a lot of meetings and a lot of discussions with a lot of our educators who are special education teachers, counselors, guidance counselors. It came. It became apparent in 2016 uh, when they reported to us that the individual education plan, which is required by federal and state law, would lock. So when they said Tom's grandchild needs um, transportation, they couldn't put it in because CPS electronically configured it on a default to lock and say, no, your child isn't getting transportation or a paraprofessional to help this poor child diaper and feed. You're talking about 52,000 special education kids in CPS. And the CTU educators are really devoted. They want to do their job. They can't do their job when the central office runs interference and blocks them from providing services that are required and needed. And we had the good fortune of testifying last week before the House Education Committee uh, on this headed up by Representative Crespo and Will Gazzardi and others and said it's a crime. These services must be provided. So what they will do in light of the BEZ report, um, the alliance between the CTU and other activists like, you know, raise your hand and access living. We are working cooperatively and together. And actually, Nieves will be at the ISB hearing on Monday, which is now opening hearings based on the request of the CTU and all the SPED activists together combined collectively. (coughs) Excuse me. To say, we need to take a look at this, and we need change, and you need to stop intentionally denying services. And I'm really pleased that the new CEO testified last week before the House hearings, like, we cut services due to budget. You can't do that. You know, uh, Chicago Public Schools, from the time that we were uh, growing up, um, particularly when I was growing up on the South Side, was basically used as a, a cudgel to keep segregation happening in Chicago, which was already the most segregated city in Chicago. So, um, and it, it continues. Uh, it's, it's an incredibly class-based, tracked uh, system. Um, how do you two deal with that, and what do you think is the current battleground to break through that uh, incredible wall? We're really happy for that question, Katie, and we welcome it. So. Part of this segues into how you build a a resistance movement and a movement that changes society. And we're really proud to represent a union like the Chicago Teachers Union since 2009 with their caucus in 2010 when they first took over the union. So when the labor movement fights for equality and justice, the results are a little different. The CTU has built community with COCO and other groups to change the system, take some power back to the people, the neighborhoods, the community, to stop the mayor from running these schools down. So what we were commissioned to do for the CTU, uh, some is successful, some not, and we use the courts as progressive lawyers as we're just street fighters in that courtroom. Change will not come from that. It comes from building a people's movement, as all of you know, from being progressive and activists. And that's our mandate from the union is to use the litigation to build the struggle of the union and our members and the people in the community to stop the racism and segregation. What's happened in our lawsuits, and people should look on our website, it's an indictment. It's an outrage. We have posted expert reports 
that say due to segregation, black teachers, black educators, black schools are being shuttered, teachers are being laid off, you know, two of the lawsuits, one will probably go to trial this year, questions these 10 turnarounds. These schools were making progress, and they're black schools. Right. And there's no justification for it. Our expert reports are No justification for them being shut down? Other than race. Right. Okay. There is no justification for the layoffs, the school closings, or the shutdowns, or the turnarounds, other than race. Let's, we have, let's hear Nieves' voice. I want to hear from you what it's like to be a street fighter in the courtroom, Nieves. <laughs> I like that. That's her. street fighters. That's her. It's never easy, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of sleepless nights, I think. Um, you know, but Robin's right. We have these systems in place, and we see them all too often not um, available or accessible to the folks who need them the most. So um, what we pride ourselves on is trying to be able to... Um, ferret out those issues and create a way to frame the issues so that we can take them into those forums and we can have those voices represented and heard in a way that, you know, potentially changes the landscape of, you know, how things are being done in the status quo. Um, because as we can see, I mean, this is, you know, one of many watershed movements right now. Um, I think people in Chicago are starting to see that, you know, there still is a huge problem with racial segregation and we're also starting to hear from neighborhoods who say we see what you're trying to do with our neighborhood right. this school closings is just part of a larger plan i think Karen lewis has said it a million yeah. times she said i see what they're trying to do do you see what they're trying to do do you see the plan for this particular neighborhood and so um you know it's just another place another forum where we can say you know, here's what's going on. Here are the facts, and this is why. And yeah. and and hold people accountable. We get some really good public pleadings that then we can publicize and you know make accessible to to people who maybe you know didn't know that this was going on or didn't know the extent, or that there are all these different options for saying no and and trying to change the status quo. And we want to give a shout out to everyone listening. We're so honored that Michael and Tom and Katie are doing this show. If you're a parent, if you're in the community, if you're a teacher, an educator, a trade unionist, if you're retired, get out there, be activists, get in the street, join your union, join Indivisible or Struggle, and you gotta throw this mayor out. <laughs> and you gotta elect people who represent working people. For example, we need an elected school board. We have people who represent the mayor. We have 400,000 students in the Chicago Public Schools, over 23,000 educators, and we're stymied by a political process as corrupt as the dailies, which is why, and we give a shout out to our friend Brandon Johnson, too, who's running for Cook County Commissioner, like to change that power structure where democratically minded people who fight for equality day after day make it a reality like the Progressive Caucus is trying, like Will is trying in the state senate and house so we give a shout out to everyone listening get active do something so, so clearly more activism is needed and thank god we have lawyers that are paying attention to the law in this fake news era we're in <laughs> but it strikes me with a mayor who told karen lewis to his to her face 25 percent of your kids are never going to learn how are we going to change the hearts and minds behind that kind of mentality which i'm afraid is not just the mayor's feeling or belief, but too many other Chicagoans who just have written off whole parts of the West and South Side because they're never going to learn. 
Well, I think part of the, what we do in these lawsuits and what the CTU does and people should go on their website. They've done amazing studies like black and white of CPS, uh, the schools our children deserve. It's full of, we work closely with the media, BZ and other friends to say, these schools are not failing. Right. These kids, you right. are intentionally failing them due to racism, segregation, and privatization. They have put more money into charters at the same time they're closing schools. So it's not our babies who are failing. It's the system failing them. We tried the injunction in 2013 on behalf of the union to stop the 50 school closings. Yeah, It was an outrage and remains an outrage. Yeah. And they're trying to close now four highly functioning African-American schools. High we, schools. High schools. Right. In Englewood. And right. The, and, in Englewood. And where they built a new school and won't let these babies into this school. So I think one thing we do as progressive lawyers, along with the National Lawyers Guild and our brothers and sisters in the National Employment Lawyers Association, is we call it out and we call it for what it is. It's racism. Pure and simple. Right. Straight ahead. We uh, we come from an activist uh, ward, 49, and we, we actually voted last year to uh, freeze charter schools in our ward. Not that our current alderman is going to pay attention to that. <laughs> But we're hoping to change that too. Um, speaking of which, um, you heard it here. You, you mentioned you mentioned Brandon Johnson, um, who's running for Cook County Commissioner. Um, how are you guys connected to him? And and in general, broader than Brandon's race, um, do you see hope in this this whole crop of new uh, candidates coming up? Folks who are running despite the fact that they don't have a million dollars, that sort of thing. Do you see hope there? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a really exciting time in Chicago politics for once because we have uh, a progressive caucus that is actually very active. And growing. And growing Let's every help. day, every cycle. It's growing. And um, the quality and the quantity of candidates coming out of that caucus is just really exciting. Mm -hmm. And we try to stay involved and supportive because these are the folks who are going to change the laws here in Chicago. They're going to change the laws in Cook County. They're going to change the laws in our state. Um, so it's very important for us to um, make sure that there is a slate of candidates that's working towards the progressive um, change that we want to see both in our city and our state. Um, so, no, it's extremely exciting. And, you know, again, it's another one of those watershed movements that, you know, I think people just said, look, we're tired of the machine. Mm -hmm. And what we're hearing coming from Rahm Emanuel and, you know, the people he puts in power is, you know, in, in exchange for, you know, whatever kind of favors. political favors they have going on. Right. It's just it's not working. It's not working for our city. And we want to see some real change. And I think that's what's helped spawn this movement and really keep it growing and um, kept the momentum behind it. People and for, care about their neighborhoods. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Katie, Michael, and I probably came out of some of the same progressive movements that have made us lifetime activists yep. out of the anti-war movement. So what Nieves and I are seeing now, and, and we actually thank the, the right and the right supremacists for engendering... <laughs> massive protests yes. and organization of working people and women to say, we want to take some power back in this country. We don't want these a predator in the White House. We're not going to put up with a more centrist leadership that says you can build a wall for $35 billion and keep dreamers out of this. So we're really pleased to be part of a movement of indigenous people. We do a lot of sexual harassment, rape, assault cases 
um, including, unfortunately, some in Chicago public schools, but mainly in other industries. And we're so proud to see women finally standing up saying no. Yeah. And we're seeing that, too, in movements like progressive labor movements like the CTU who says no means that you, Brandon Johnson, Gazzardi, whomever you are, Chewy, that you represent people to give people power, not to give yourselves power. And Amen. that's a new brand of yeah. progressive leadership. That's right. We're so proud to know Sugarza, who is there not to, you know, and people who are really fighting to empower working people and change the system. Mm -hmm. So that's based more on equality. Part of what I did to prepare for today and as part of my huge notebook <laughs> that Michael took pictures of <laughs> is, you know, Nieves and I do a lot of race cases, a lot of noose cases. And, you know, the- A lot of noose? noose like noose, like what the Klan used to that's hang what in, I thought in factories. Said. And so, you know, one of Jeez. the leading cases we cite was 1896, a brother trying to get on a railroad car that was segregated by race and in 1896 the Supreme Court held in Plessy versus Ferguson separate but equal mm. is constitutional under the 13th and 14th amendment which was not overturned till 1954 in Brown versus Board and Nieves and I say it straight in CPS it is separate and unequal as was in Plessy over 120 years ago the situation is worse and it needs reform. So we just have to call it what it is, and we have the data to prove it. It's an outrage. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, given that here we are in 2018, and our next guest we're going to be talking about 50 years ago, mm -hmm. the great year of 68 and what went on, um, how do we convince Robin Potter and Nieves Bolaños, how do we convince young people who want to be activists um, that it's not hopeless? given what you just said about what we're still fighting, battles we're still fighting. How do, I mean, I'm so grateful for the movement that is developing right now. I'm very excited. I've been waiting Hallelujah. for it, uh -huh. waiting for it. But I mean, uh, is it a problem for young people to look at us and go, didn't you guys fix this already? <laughs> you know, I think it's encouraging, and I'm going to defer to Nieves because she's much more activist than me. It's really encouraging to see people going out in the community, a fighting union like the CTU and SEIU out there organizing community yep. to vote. Chicago Votes, we just registered. There's 6,000 pretrial detainees in the Cook County Jail who are eligible to vote, not registered, who are getting registered. So that puts a little bit of That's power great. back. That's great. Um, you know, Nieves works a lot in, in the low-wage community and, and their struggle. struggle. Yeah, um, so I think uh, it's interesting. We, Me and Robin go back and forth on this all the time. And, you know, what's enough? You know, is it enough to hashtag <laughs> There's never enough. resist? Never enough. No, it's not enough. Okay, so what do you do? Well, you don't criticize the people who are hashtagging resist. Like, what? you know, what's the balance? What do we need? <laughs> Thank you, know? you. So we go back and forth a lot. It gets heated sometimes. but. Um, oh, we know nothing about that. <laughs> But, you know, I think and I know that, you know, it's people say, you know, it's not enough to hit the streets. We can't just be out protesting because it's not going to be the only thing. We have to also combine that with community activism. But I do think that, you know, seeing people out on the streets and seeing the outrage they feel when, you know, we have uh, the leader of our country making just blatantly racist uh, comments all the time and, you know, getting away with being a sexual harasser, a sexual assaulter. Incredible. Um, I think that seeing that is something that motivates people to say, you know what? I'm over it too. I want to do something. And even, you know, you go to a protest, you, you're there, you meet people, you organize, you network, you're, 
you know, become part of a community. And I think it all kind of leads into um, an increased activism generally and in populations that maybe you wouldn't have seen it in um, had we not been pushed to such um, dire circumstances. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, that people are not feeling just that, you know, gosh, we failed and now we're at the, the bottom and there's nothing we can do. I'm hopeful that people are really feeling energized by what's going on and outraged and, you know, getting involved. And I think one thing leads to another. And Nevis, you mentioned uh, previously in a comment, look at our website. Could you give us that website? Oh, sure. It's um, www.pod.com. <laughs> Law, uh, P-O-T-T-E-R Law, L-A-W. Yep, uh, .org, O-R-G. Okay. I also want to give a shout-out, I know our time's up, you know, something that Karen's imbued in, in the CTU and us as lawyers, you always say to yourself, does this unite us, build our strength, and give us power? And one thing we do, mm. and and as legal activists with the Guild and stuff, we got to stop these judicial appointments. These are racists. These are people who will sit for life yeah. in the federal judiciary. He has over 80 appointments he can make now. So we, and he's filling them quick. And so we look forward to United Front with the ACLU and our partners in the Guild, you know, and, the, for example, one of the very traditional law bulletin articles just published how Lawyers Guild lawyers were up with the water protectors defending them in criminal charges. We will be everywhere there is struggle to help build that struggle and people like Brandon Johnson to help give power back to the people where it belongs. And it is Amen. It is a huge issue. These judicial appointments are, are can definitely change the face of the legal We're system. We're going to make a topic out of that and probably have you back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'd love to. We'd love to talk about it. We want to thank you both for coming on. That's uh, Robin Potter and Nieves Bolaños, and they are progressive lawyers working with the Chicago Teachers Union and a lot more. Bless you both okay. and all the work you do. Power.